This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. A couple of other things to get to. Brett Beatty is essentially done for the season. That was a major disappointment on two levels. Number one for him. Here's a kid that finally got the call up to the majors, hits a home run in his first major league at bat. And even though he wasn't hitting at a high level and his defense was mediocre, I was still ready to see more Brett Beatty. Now, I wasn't ready to say, oh, Escobar is back. Play him every single day. And obviously, Luis Guillerme is still not back. When Guillerme was back, we would have had a broader discussion about it. But he's not back. So it sucks for him, the player. I think it sucks for the Mets. Because right now, the Mets are in a spot where Eduardo Escobar is your everyday third baseman. And Eduardo, until Guillerme comes back. But Eduardo Escobar has done nothing to earn being the everyday third baseman again. He hasn't. So that sucks. Darren Ruff, despite the sack fly, has done nothing, which leads to a fair question. Why not call up Mark Vientos? Why not call him up? Because A, he plays third base. Right now you're stuck with just Eduardo Escobar. And B, the right-handed part of your DH spot is not producing. And I had heard a while ago, not a while ago, like days ago, so really not that long ago, that Buck Showalter was not a fan of Mark Vientos. And I'd heard that as kind of a little hearsay. So I didn't put that much stock in it. Just, oh, I guess he doesn't like him. And then I read this quote from Buck Showalter. And I'm like, holy crap, he hates Mark Vientos. So, you know, basically Billy Epler and the Mets are talking about why Devin Marrero was called up. Why not Mark Vientos? Vientos has produced so well at the minor league level. Look at all his numbers. Right-handed bat. Why not? So, listen to this quote. I'm reading this from, uh, I think it was Newsday. I, I forget, one of the great beat reporters. Tim Healy, maybe? I don't know. Earlier Thursday, when asked about the organization's messaging to Vientos, given his strong season and the lack of a call-up, manager Buck Showalter quipped, which part of the year is he having that's good? You talking about the hitting? That's something for Billy to talk about. <laughs> First of all, I think we'd all agree Vientos is having a good year, at least from just looking at baseball reference. 
And Buck's quip is, which part of the year is he having that's good? What a douche comment that is. I'm sorry. If I'm Mark Vientos and I read that, I'd say, what? Is this guy bashing me? And yeah, he was. He doesn't like his defense. He doesn't like his versatility, which Billy Epler essentially said in a nicer way. Buck Showalter didn't say it in a nice way. What part of his gear is good? Like he's confused why anyone would ask, why wouldn't you call him up? Because he hits the ball. Because he's been productive offensively. That's why. So they hate him. Buck Showalter hates Mark Vientos off. There you go. But but I, I but I don't understand because like we just saw Brett Beatty and listen I'm not trying to take away say that Beatty was a was a terrible addition, but we saw his deficiencies too. Like you're telling me that Vientos couldn't be at least on that level. Beatty wasn't uh, this this spry defensive uh, third baseman. We're like wow this guy's flawless. No he had his issues. But again we it was for his bat. Isn't that the point? <laughs> I guess it scares me about Vientos's defense because. You're right. Like, Beatty wasn't all that impressive, but clearly based on Buck's commenting and then the actions of the Mets, because they haven't called him up, they hate him defensively. But but, but here's the thing. Brett Beatty was only going to play third base, right? Like, when right. he was called up, he was just... Vientos may not only play third base, he could also be the right-handed DH. I know they don't want to give up on Darren Ruff because they gave up so much for him, but you could use another right-handed bat Especially when you face a team like the Dodgers that have three left-handers out of their bullpen. So Vientos could actually serve in potentially two roles for your team while Beatty was only serving in one. Uh, and here's just to get back to this quickly because I don't want to harp on the fact that the Mets not calling up their prospects confuses the hell out of me. Look around the majors right now. Like the Yankees got forced into uh, calling up Peraza now too. So now they have mm-hmm. two young kids called up. Arizona called up that guy Corbin. Uh Baltimore called up Henderson. Like everyone's getting called up, and the Mets are so hesitant. Is there something that either A, they're trying to protect so that they could trade him in the offseason, or B, are they really just not that good? Ah man. The the <laughs> excuse me, they're the it's they're not that good theory will just pan out based on are they on the team next year? Like, is Francisco Alvarez a part of the catching situation in 2022. And I lean that he is. Is Brett Beatty a part of the third base situation in 2022? And I lean that he is. Is Mark Vientos next year the right-handed DH? I lean that he is. Like So I don't believe that the answer is going to be they're not that good because I think those three guys specifically are actually going to be a really big part of the 2023 New York Mets. I think it's... I lean towards Buck not really wanting a lot of young guys on his roster. I lean towards Alvarez not being trusted with a veteran pitching staff. The Beatty thing was confusing. They were almost forced to do it once guys were so injured that they're like, let's call him up. And maybe they just don't love Vientos' defensive game even more so than what we've seen from Beatty. It's tough to figure because the Atlanta Braves have been so aggressive in calling guys up, and those guys have made huge impacts on them. You know, Michael Grissom... Michael Grissom, I'm combining everybody. Michael Harris and Vaughn Grissom have been great. I mean, you almost wonder to yourself, where would the Braves be if they didn't make those two call-ups, specifically Harris, who they called up, I think, like early on during that big winning streak. Uh, So he was really a part of all their winning, and the Mets have taken a very, very conservative approach to it. 
And it's frustrating, no doubt. I think the more Darren Ruff struggles, even though he had that sack fly, because they faced a lot of lefties this week, so it was exposed. You know, you went out and you faced the Dodgers, and they're throwing three lefties against you. So, obviously, Darren Ruff was going to play all three games. I think that's, the more that gets exposed, the more frustrating that's going to be. And Eduardo Escobar's got a hit, because right now he's the only logical option at third base on this team. You're not calling up Devin Marrero to play. So, if these guys continue to not perform, I think the screams and yells coming from me, you, and other Met fans about Vientos is only going to get louder. The one thing I will say is that it, it, Escobar coming back, playing third over Beatty, it's like, oh, I have a little more trust in Escobar now. Like I originally was like, I couldn't stand his defense, but it's like I'm not saying he's a Gold Glove, but at least I'm like, okay, he'll he'll get, he'll make the basic plays. I'm not as nervous. You trust him more. He's also been better defensively. You know, I. I think earlier this season, I forget the game, the, the afternoon game where Alonzo hit the home run, I think it was against the Cardinals. Um, Escobar made the big miscue. I think he's been a lot better defensively at third base. The, the other real positive that came from the system is that Tyler McGill is finally pitching in rehab games, and he's clearly being used out of the bullpen. That's his role now. He's not going to start. Next year he will, not in 2022. And in his first bullpen appearance in rehab, strikes out the side and pitches a one, two, three inning. So I think we're looking at a few more weeks with him. I think they said five or six performances from Tyler McGill. And then why not? You know, Trevor May hasn't gotten much better. Trevor May has gotten better, but he's still shaky if we're being fair about it. Like he's not making you feel comfortable. That's for sure. So Tyler McGill coming back is at least another option. We'll see about Drew Smith when he gets here. But here's what's great. As a Met fan right now, besides the record, besides everything at 84 and 48, they now face bad teams consistently for a month. Like, I'm not even joking. It it is a month straight of playing bad baseball teams. And yeah, they're not going to win every single game. There are going to be some games in which we say, oh my God, how the hell did you lose that game? But overall this season, and look, when you're 84 and 48, you beat a lot of teams. They've done a really good job of beating the teams they're supposed to beat. And they're about to play. I mean, think about this. The Washington Nationals are terrible. They're in last place. The Pittsburgh Pirates are right around last place. The Miami Marlins, of course, we'll see Alcantara. Why not? Have been bad. The Chicago Cubs have been bad. The Pirates, again, have been bad. They don't play a competent baseball team until they play the Milwaukee Brewers for three games in Milwaukee. Then after that, they play the A's and the Marlins. So this is a real opportunity here, a real opportunity to just kick some ass and dominate the Nationals, the Pirates, the Marlins, the Cubs, and the Pirates. I mean, that's 3, 6, 9, 12, 16 games they're about to play before they play the Brewers. We'll stop with the Brewers because they're in a legitimate playoff race and they're a good team. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. What is a fair expectation from those 16 games against the Nationals, Pirates, Marlins, Cubs, Pirates? I mean, I, I, 
I'm trying to be fair, but like if 90% of the games, they got the win. Come on. <laughs> I want to be fair. <laughs> Baseball. But but those teams suck. They have to, They have to go. I mean, there's two out of three of every series, three out of four. You have to sweep a couple. I mean, if you so, lose, if you lose any games to the Pirates, I'm going to be very upset. So let me let, let me let me do the math here. If they win two out of three against Washington, two out of three against the Pirates, that's four and two. You win two out of three against the Marlins, you're six and three. You win two out of three against the Cubs, you're eight and four. And then you got four games with the Pirates. Let's say you win three out of four. That gets you to eleven and five. Would you be happy with eleven and five against those teams coming up? Is that an acceptable result. It's acceptable, but I, I want like 13 and three. Okay. <laughs> That's what I want. You know, you know what jumped out at me? And I hope we don't have to burn <laughs> these tapes in a couple of weeks if the Mets really struggle here. My, the, the number that jumped out at me was 12 and four, where I looked at these 16 games and said, go win 12 out of 16 games. Because look, as much as we'd love to see 16 and 0 and have an 18 game winning streak going into those games against the Brewers. It's baseball. And I think ultimately you hit it best when you said just win the series. I think if you go out there and win every single series, and that would get you to 11 and, uh, 11 and 5, so it would be a game off of what I said. But if you win every series, 2 out of 3, 2 out of 3, 2 out of 3, 2 out of 3, and then 3 out of 4 against the Pirates, that gets you to 11 and 5. I think you have to be happy with that. And then the hope is the Braves, who it's weird. The Braves don't have a, a tough schedule but they've got an eight-game West Coast trip coming up. Granted, those games are against the Oakland A's, who are terrible, the San Francisco Giants, who can't win anymore, and they do have three games mixed in against Seattle, who are pretty good. But I wouldn't say that's like an impossible trip. But during the course of these 16 games where the Mets play nothing but bad teams, they play Miami. Okay, bad team. They do face Alcantara on Friday, so that's good. It's about freaking time. Two games against the A's. Three, three against Seattle, three in San Francisco, and then three at home against the Phillies, who are the X factor here, because the Phillies play the Braves seven times to close this season. Mets are done with the Phillies. Mets did a great job against the Phillies. Obviously, Philadelphia has Bryce Harper back. Seven times the Phillies play the Braves. So here's the good news. And the Braves looked a little human this week. They lost two out of three to the Cardinals. They did win two out of three against Colorado. But ultimately, three and three in their last six games while the Mets went out, went three and one and two and one, they went five and two. So it was a productive period of time for us as Mets fans. You'd have to think, based on who the Mets are playing and who the Braves are playing, that the Mets are in a better spot before we finally see them on September 30th. You have to think that. It's a three-game lead right now. I, logic says if the Mets take care of business, they should be in a very, very good spot going into that three-game series to open October. I would think that they have a still have at least a three-game lead overall and probably much, much more. And would you that's sign the, for that? You'd sign for that, right? Just maintain oh the lead my, going into the series, right? That's I've been thinking about that deeper, deeper, deeper. I'm like, as long as going into that series, we have three games, I'm totally fine. Yeah, basically, if, if, if the Mets have a three-game lead against Atlanta, you put yourself in a spot where you have to win a game against the Braves in Atlanta. Because if you did that and lost the other two, you win the tiebreaker and you go home to play the Nationals with a two-game lead. So you'd almost feel you'd have to lose all three games to Washington. So 
Yeah. Now, obviously, you lose all three to Atlanta. It's a completely different story. Now, all of a sudden, you need help to win the National League East. But, yeah, I, I'd agree with you on that. And I, I was saying that to, to my son, Jack, because I was explaining the Braves-Rockies games and why they matter and why Dad cares about it. And I'm like, we just want to eliminate days from the calendar and maintain or air to our lead. And I think that's the way to look at it when you're up by three games. Maintain and add. And I got to hand it to both of my sons. Jet went to all three games against the Dodgers. We never left early, never complained. He did a fantastic job. I did use the cheat code every once in a while, which is a tablet. Every once in a while, that tablet comes out. And maybe he's playing a baseball game. Maybe he's playing some farm game or whatever it is. Didn't have to use it that often, especially for that second game. The DeGrom game was had him locked in. And why not? Two hours, 17 minutes. Great game. Nimmo's amazing catch. And then I took... Spence, who hasn't turned two yet, and he made nine innings as well, which I was stunned by. So I'm a proud father that <laughs> they were able to maintain their excitement and loved it. And the best thing, and a, and a woman overheard Jet say this, and she was like, wow, you got to be proud of this. As we're leaving the finale of this series Thursday afternoon, Jet says, Dad, when are we coming back? And I'm like, really? We just went to three straight games. This game was three hours and 15 minutes. And he's like, yeah, when are we coming back? I'm like, all right, bro, you got it. Let's talk to mama. Let's figure this out. <laughs> what, what, let me ask you a question, because it was an incredible series. What was the most electrifying moment of the series? I, there's two in particular that obviously pop out, but what was just for you? What, 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 what would it be? The Nemo, the Nemo catch was ridiculous. You know, and unlike the ND play, they backed it up and they won the game. You know, to Jake's credit, he pumps in a big strikeout right after it happens. Because I think in the back of your mind, after Nimmo makes that play, the thought is, we can still lose this game. And then what are we saying about the miraculous Nimmo catch? It's, it's like how I'm bitter about the Andy Chavez catch. You know, they, they lost the game. So, <coughs> excuse me, I'd say that. And then probably Diaz's entrance. I know that's the, the obvious answers, but... The truth is, those are the answers. I mean, that's when this building was moving, when it was rocking, when it had that soul, when it had that electricity. You know, the Thursday afternoon game was the smallest of the three crowds, and it was also a late afternoon weekday game, so it was loud, but it didn't match the intensity of the first two games of the series. But for that day, Lindor's RBI double was huge. And I, look, we got to give Lindor credit. And I had a vision. Oh, I got to talk about this vision. <laughs> Lindor, in a lot of ways, is Carlos Beltran, okay? Switch hitter, came in with huge expectations, making a ton of money. I know Lindor was a trade. Beltran was a free agent. But similar in terms of you're really battling to win over the fans. Had a really tough first year. You know, had an incident with fans, if you will, where you were mad at them. So there's a lot of similarities to me between Carlos and Francisco. And as I'm sitting there watching Lindor, this was late in the game, and he also had that great defensive play, which I don't want to forget. I thought, would I sign right now for Francisco Lindor to be in the spot Carlos Beltran was in 2006? Would I sign right now for bases loaded, two outs, down by two runs, tied in the series, game seven, would I sign for that moment? And look, the moment, the odds lean towards we're going to lose because baseball is a game of failure. 
You know, even a guy who gets on base 40% of the time, that means 60% of the time they don't. Would I sign for that moment? And I don't know why I feel this way. But I believe that if Francisco Lindor is given that exact moment that Carlos Beltran was given, he's going to rip a bases-clearing double into right center field. And the reason it popped into my head is because when Carlos Beltran came up that night, my vision was a line drive to right center field. That was my vision. Like, as he was... It wasn't a grand slam. It wasn't a, you know, ball over the fence. It wasn't that. It was majestic line drive right center field. And the Lindor RBI that tied this game up was exactly what I visioned for Beltran all those years ago. They the exact hit. And I'll never get it out of my mind. And I think that's why that brought that to me. Like, would I sign for that? Now, look, I think Game 7 NLCS, I think we'd all sign for that at this moment. But I don't know why. I trust him. I think he's done a lot this year, especially in big moments where if you give him that spot, that's the hit I vision. That line drive, right center field that clears the bases and the Mets win the National League pennant. I uh, I feel like I'm I trust him like you do because, like you said, even when he was struggling, he would come up big in big spots, and that to me is the the, the we always talk about clutch hitting, clutch whatever. He has been clutch all season long, even when he struggled. And that, that to me, is someone that you can rely upon. And I, I agree. Like, it, I just, you got me dreaming now, too, about it. I'm excited. Let's go. <laughs> I, I'd like to go to the World Series, and that, that happened in the World Series, Game 7 of the World Series in that situation. But regardless, I'll take it in the playoffs. I, look, I only bring up the NLCS because that's the fear. That's what we live through. You know, that that's one of those baseball moments, probably more so than than any other moment that I go back to and say everything could have been different with one swing. Like, as bad as losing in 2000 was or 2015 was or pick any bad loss, there isn't necessarily the one moment like that. You know, it's, hey, they blew game one in 2000 and 2015. Absolutely. You know, giving up the fast pitch home run in 2015. The Paul O'Neill at bat. People like to bring up Timo Perez not running. So there are moments, don't get me wrong, but in that moment, I mean, it's bases loaded, you're down by two, it's your best hitter at the plate. And so I think I always think back to that. And, you know, hopefully we get that chance and things are different. But it was a great week. It was a great series. But like I said at the top, we should enjoy it. It was fun. It was great. It means absolutely nothing. If the Mets played the Dodgers in the National League Championship Series, none of this matters. But they got the Nationals coming up this weekend. They are appearing ready to go to six-man. We'll see the return of Carlos Carrasco over the weekend. We'll see Max Scherzer pitch on Saturday. And hopefully we'll see the Mets take care of business against the Washington Nationals. We will have a podcast right after or some point on Sunday after the series is over. Usually it's late, late at night. But we always promise you that Rico Brown, you will be sitting there in your little podcast folder that very next morning for your drive to work or whatever the hell you're doing. So enjoy your Labor Day weekend. Uh, I'll be back with Craig on Tuesday at 2 o'clock, but you hear another Rico Bronia to wrap up the Mets Nationals Series. LFGM. Thanks for listening to Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia Podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. 